and um, we, we got blessed. Like, we have enough carpet tile to do Jody's room and the hallways that lead to the classrooms. Um, yeah. Normally, that carpet would have cost about $20,000. And we paid $2,000. You know, we serve an amazing God. And it's great to have this carpet uh, in stacks right now in our building. But we'd like to get it on the floor. Uh, we know that that side of the building is definitely well used. Uh, that carpet over there, as I was talking with Norma, I said, Norma, you probably were, you know, her, her, your grandmother, her grandmother used to live on the other side of the building back, way back. And I said, oh, she probably even ate lunch on this carpet, uh, you know, with the dining room. Um, so that carpet has been there for a long time. And it's time that we replace it. Now, if you've tried to build anything out of wood, you realize that the cost of wood has just gone ridiculous. So for us to put it down, we figure we need to put a new subfloor down. And that is where the craziness comes in. Any other year, this would not be that big of a deal. Uh, but the price of plywood has, oh my goodness, I think quadrupled. And so we need your help. It's going to take us, we figured about $10,000 to buy the plywood. We're going to do a lot of volunteer labor to get the carpet tile, uh, to pull the old stuff up, to get the new stuff down. Uh, but we need about $10,000. So if you can help us uh, with a part of that, that would be much appreciated over and above your tithes if you say, you know what? Yeah, you know what? We use that space not just for, for the kids, but for us as adults. We appreciate having that space. When seniors are back in the building, they have lunch in that room. And it would be just nice going into fall to have that, that whole side of the building done. We're not looking at putting it down right away. So I'm not trying to uh, ask you to do something about that right now. But we're hoping to have it, the carpet down near the latter part of August, and uh, hopefully be ready to go at that moment. So if you can help us with that, we'd be much, much appreciated to you. And uh, I know that it will be a blessing to the kids and to the seniors and to everybody who uses the, that whole side of the building over there uh, on a weekly basis. So yeah, just a little bit of an update. Good, thing, good news is always good news. Uh, this week, we're going to start a series of sermons. We're still in our, our fundamental series, um, but we're going to kind of focus on the Holy Spirit for a number of weeks. And if you have attended the Bible study this past week, we did a little bit of an introduction to who is the Holy Spirit, and we will continue on this week's Bible study on Wednesday on Zoom. Uh, we'll be titled Spirit is Life as well. And we have been, are being taught by Dr. Van Johnson, and a very smart man, um, and easy to understand. So that's Wednesdays at 7.30, and if you can't make it to the building, that's fine. You can watch it on Zoom. The Zoom codes are on Facebook and on the website. We want to encourage you to connect in. This morning we're going to look at, uh, though the Spirit has life, We know this, without the Holy Spirit, without the Spirit of God, there is no life. 
There is no life. Not now and not later. You know, sometimes as, as I remember growing up in a traditional church and then started going to the Pentecostal church when I was a teenager. You, you've heard that from my mouth many times. I remember I started hearing about Holy Spirit more as I went to a Pentecostal church. And I'm like, you know, I, I knew about it from this traditional church background that I grew up in, but didn't really fully grasp or understand what does this really mean? What does that mean uh, for me? What, how does that affect me? You know, we, uh, again, grew up with an understanding, but maybe it was our terminology that we used. You know, I remember way back in the Pentecostal church, they used to call it the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, Holy Ghost? Well, that sounds like Casper the Ghost. You know, and when you think of ghost, you think of, you know, basically a, a bed sheet with, you know, that walks around. Uh, it didn't really have that understanding of really what the Spirit of God is about. And... So we're going to look at some things this morning. The first is this, that, that the Spirit brings life. The Spirit brings life. If you have your Bible with you, if not, we'll put the verses up on the screen. Uh, and if we begin right at the creation story in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit was there. God's Spirit was there right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of time, God's Spirit was there. The Spirit is present when God creates. His role is not really defined here, but the Spirit is there. And then in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. I don't know about you. I've made some sandcastles in my life, but none of them look like anything that would be resemblance of, of human life. You know, uh, proportions are off, or maybe I missed a finger. But it says, when God formed you and I from the dust of the ground, that he breathed, breathed life. Holy Spirit is, is identified with that. The Spirit is present in the role in creating you and I. The Spirit is represented here both as the breath of God, the animating, the bringing life to mankind. Spirit as breath. In Jewish writings, both in the Old Testament and wider literature, spirit and breath or breathing are commonly connected. And typically when creation is a topic, you see, because when there is no life or breath without the spirit, What do we learn about this story uh, from about our human history, about us as humans? Now, creation might not be as detailed as we like. You know, you read the book of Genesis, and in a few pages, everything is here. You know, I don't know about you, but I'd like to know more about, okay, well, how did that exactly happen? 
Now, what exactly did that look like? And it, you know, how did the platypus happen? Like, did we get two animals mixed up? You know, like some of those things. Like, how did we get there? Maybe that's just my mind that goes sometimes when I look at some of these funny animals and I'm like, don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. You know, creating these, and I'm like, yeah, I think so. Now, creation, again, may not be as detailed as we like, but it's a theological account. And it tells us what we need to know about our real, about beginnings and our relationship to God. Now, mankind was made up from the dust of the ground. And then God came and breathed life. The breath of God was breathed into mankind. The Spirit gave us life. If we look at our bodies, if you look at who we are, we're made up of chemicals common to the rest of the created creatures. Similar chemicals, similar structure. Uh, both you, we and I as humans have 20,000 cells and so does worms. So there's some similarities we have with the rest of creation. What distinguishes us, however, is the way in which we were made. You and I, as human beings, were the ones that God breathed life into. God didn't go to all the other creatures and and start breathing life into into fish and into birds and into... They, they were created. They were not breathed life into. They're created differently. Adam and Eve were given that breath. As God formed Adam and, and Eve was taken from his side. You see, God bends down and he gets close with us and he breathes life. He breathes his spirit. We, you and I, are in the image of God. His breath is in us. Because his spirit gave us life. Now sometimes we as Pentecostals think, well, just the spirit is just with us. No, no, no. If you are in faith, the spirit is with you. In fact, Holy Spirit was, God's spirit was with every single life of mankind. It is his spirit that gives life. It's his spirit that gives life to us. You see, then the awful thing happens. Man falls. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. You will, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. You see, when curse entered in, when, when sin entered into our life, 
we as humans rejected God. We fell. Our breath became shortened. We know that in the Old Testament days, their days of life were a lot longer than it is today. We know that it is because of the, the effects of sin. I mean, Adam and Eve were not to have numbered days. When God created them in the garden, they were not to ever pass away. It's because sin entered in. It was because sin entered into their life that, that life became sh cut short. Shortened from fully being human. Full breath. To less than human. To having a shortness of God's breath. The actor of effect of all of this is we have forgotten from where we have fallen. We have forgotten from where we've fallen. We forgot where we once were. We now accept being less than human or being subhuman as being normal. We, we have begun to live with the sinful nature so much that we just say, well, this is just what it is. And we, we, we kick ourselves and say, well, I'm just human. To err is human and to forgive is divine. We just think that's our nature. That is not the nature you and I were created with. God didn't create us with a sinful nature. Sin entered in because of the fall. We suffer the consequences of the curse all the time. And one of them, in fact, being death. One of the most insidious effects of the curse is what it's done to our memory. We have lived under the curse so long that we think that being less than human is what it means to be human. Being less than what God had initially created in that Garden of Eden, is, this is just what it is. Well, I'm just human. No, understand, God created human, breathed his breath into us, and we came alive. Human is not a bad thing. It's what God created. Our sinful nature, yes, of course, we struggle with that and we, and we wrestle with that. But it's not, it's not a bad thing. We resist the blame and the shame. Why? Because we're just human. We have redefined what it means to be human from what God has first created in Adam and Eve. We have defined human now by what we are at our worst. Well, I can't help it. It's just the way I am. You ever say that phrase? That's just who I am. No, that's not who God created you to be. That's not who God intended for you to be at the beginning when he made you. So don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. How many of you would like a new car? Come on, be honest. You know, what if I just gave you one quarter of the car? It may be new. Say, no, 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 but I'd like the whole car. Same is true with us. Let's not settle for just a part of God created us. 
He breathed life into us. And somewhere along the line, we just settled for part of a car. Somewhere along the line, we just said, well, this is just what it is. Don't you like my new car? I got the steering wheel. You can't go anywhere because you got no weather wheels and you don't even have anything to sit on. Nor do you have a motor. You remember that when you were a kid, you used to play, you had a car. That's the way we've done with our life. We said, well, this is just life. This is just what happens. Don't settle for less than what God has promised to us. We take our, our proneness to, to fail, to sin, and our inability to walk straight and to live right and just say, well, that's just who I am. That's just what it means to be human. We have redefined our worst as, as just what is natural. Then we've built an excuse around any time we just make a mistake. Well, I can't help it. Well, I failed. Well, I made a mistake, and, I, and I, that's just the way it is. But it's not the way it has to be. I can't, you know, we, we talk to people all the time, and they make mistakes. They say, well, that's just, I guess that's just me. I was born this way. Oh. But let's go back to creation, and that's not what God breathed life in. We have settled for our fallen state. We have settled for being humans that have fallen, yes, that have sinned. And we said, well, that's just who I am. I'm just, that's what God created. No, he didn't create that. We have settled for it. You see, to be fully human is being what God created us to be to be full of breath and fully full of life. So the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He draws us back to life. He draws us back to life. You remember that breath that was breathed in a creation? The Holy Spirit now comes and says, no, come back to life. Come back to life. You, you may have settled for this, but now I want you to come back. I want you to receive, I want you to receive my spirit again. I want you to Allow me to breathe into you again. See, God, God's response for our loss of breath is to breathe once more. God draws us back, and the Spirit plays an integral role in this. Our biblical story from Genesis 3 to Revelation is how God responds to human failure. And the Spirit's involvement in our recovery by showing us Jesus, who models for us what it means to be human. The gospel, the good news, is that we can get our breath back. We can get our breath back. Ever been out of breath? Yeah, yesterday we went for a good long bike ride. And I was like, <gasps> Oh my goodness. Sharon and I are planning to bike in the mountains this, this summer. So we're flatland flat training for mountain experiences. If I'm losing my breath in Lord Minster, oh my goodness. You can pray. You can pray. Say, God, give me extra breath. You know, I don't plan on wearing a respirator along with me, but just might. 
the good news is that we can get our breath back. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 21, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began, to say to, began saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him to proclaim, to say, hey, there's a way back to life. There's a way to receive that breath again. He was echoing the words from Isaiah 61 and 1. It says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim, to breathe, to speak out. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, anointed me to preach, to proclaim good news. Jesus said, You can get your breath back. You can get your breath back. He wants to breathe life into you again. He wants to call you back to life. The Spirit conveys the message with power. It is the Spirit who broadcasts the words of Jesus to the breathless. So he draws us back by what is spoken and by what is enacted by his power in word and in deed. These moments when God acts dramatically and the Spirit points and says, that's what the God that we need to serve, the God of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Miracles were and still are the indicators that God is at work. You see, so not only did at creation did God breathe life into us, but now Holy Spirit is saying, come back to life. Come back to life. And he does, and he restores that. The Holy Spirit restores life to us and within us. I like this passage of Scripture. In Ezekiel chapter 37. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me up by the Spirit of, of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of dry bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone, no. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. What does our world need? It needs to try bones to come back to life. Feeling dry, is there a part of you where there's some life that's missing? Some part that's like saying, God, I need to, this has to get right with you. I cannot just accept failure as what you've intended for me. I need these bones to be brought back to life. Oh, this is a stunning picture of spiritual truth, isn't it? Dry bones. Back to life. That was, I'd say that for the church globally. Come back to life. Come back to life. We want to make a difference in our world? Dry bones. Dry bones. Get back to life. Receive the breath. This vision is a restoration of Israel. It's the, it's the breath of the Spirit of God. In verse 5, if we can put that verse up there again. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. That's what God's saying to us. Saying, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. We get this glimpse and prophecy of what God will do for us in Jesus Christ. And I, you know what? I know he's done it for you. He's brought you back to life. Now it's time to live like you're alive. You see, before coming to faith in Christ, I'm sure, I'm sure we all felt lost. And there was a point and a moment in our lives where we were like, I need to get right with God. I need to have my life connected with him. I need to understand that Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin. I need to get back to life. And we did, and we accepted that life. And it's like you breathe life into us again. Why don't we live like we're alive? If he's breathed life into you and to me, when we came back to him, then let's live like we're alive. Let's live like his breath is within us. Let's live like it's him who's given us life, because it is, isn't it? It's God's love that's in Jesus. And Jesus to save us through his death, death and resurrection. And the spirit that applies the saving work of Jesus to us all. It's his spirit that comes into us once again. Restoring that original breath. Making us fully human again. Romans 8, verses 9, and 10, 9 to 11 says this, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, 
but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subjected to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Wow. God is changing us. Paul describes a believer in, in, in verse 9 there. He says, God lives in us. You're not of the realm of the flesh, but you're of the realm of the spirit. The realm of the flesh, just the dust, just being subhuman, just settling for less. We're not of that realm anymore. If you are in Christ, that is not who you are anymore. You're not just bound by your sinful nature. That has been removed from you. You've taken on his nature. Oh, do we sin still? Yep. Yeah, yeah we do, yeah, we will. But that's not our nature. We're not bound by that anymore. We've been set free from that sinful nature. He has breathed life back into us. He's brought us back to life. He's restored that life. The presence of Christ in, in every believer, when we say, Jesus, enter my heart, we mean if the Spirit comes into us and says, I'm giving you life again. I'm restoring that breath. The Spirit gives life more than life on this earth, but a life that lasts beyond the grave. A life that lasts forever. Everything that is truly good in my life has something to do with the Spirit of God. From my first breath to my last. Do you need that life? If the Spirit brings life, do you need that life? Do you need your dry bones to come alive again? Got any dead bones inside of you? Something rattling around? Come back to life. Come back to life. Would you pray with me? Father, you see each one of us, whether we be here in person or at home. You know us, Lord. You know us well. And Father, if we are still in our fallen state, we are needed to come back to life. We need to be renewed, restored. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us Holy Spirit that brings life that restores, that, that awakens and quickens those dry bones. Father, you're bringing life even today. Maybe there's some here, someone at home who's, who's watching and, and saying, you know what, I need to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need to have his breath breathe in me again and, breathe, and come through me. 
We're accepting the fact that Christ died on a cross for our sins. We're believing, God, that one day we too will rise with you in, in glory. And we are committing our lives to you, Lord. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have an assurance of that today. We have an assurance of salvation because of what your Son has done on that cross and your Holy Spirit that has come and entered our, our breath again and has brought our dry bones back to life. Oh, Father, would you do a work in us, through us, for your glory, Lord, for your kingdom. Oh, Lord, would you move within me Oh, Lord, I pray that as we live and move and have our being, we'd understand that that comes from you. So strengthen us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God bless you and be with you. May you live this week knowing that he's brought you back to life. Yeah, God strengthen you.